Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. I am Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. It is Friday. It is Good Friday, and it is also the beginning of Passover, Pesach. So I wish all of you, uh, fellow believers, uh, Christian and Jew, I wish you a very, very happy and wonderful holiday weekend. Well, this is your go-to for Hot Liberty a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please follow my Instagram account for news about me and this show for clips and, and photos and so on at Monica Crowley underscore and my Twitter account at Monica Crowley. My Twitter account is on fire and we've got a lot to talk about with regard to Twitter today. You can also send me an email about this show, and the email address is Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Again, I'm getting so many of your emails, and y'all are so nice, and I'm so grateful that you're all listening to the show and you're loving it so much and you're interacting with me via email. So I am going to read some of your emails at the end of the show, as I always do. Well, today I want to deal with the issue of truly free speech, not the kind of bogus uh, halfway free speech that we see on all of these social media platforms right now. We are going to have a very important chat with my good friend Juanita Broderick, who had the guts to stand up to Bill and Hillary Clinton She was just permanently suspended by Twitter, and she had monetized her account, so this this really hurts. This is not just losing an ability to to be on Twitter and say things. Um, So for her, this was really, really devastating. We're going to talk to her about what happened and her thoughts about Musk, Twitter, and free speech, and maybe I'll even ask her about Hillary possibly running for president again. Oh, my God. I'm sure she's got some some interesting thoughts about that. We're also going to talk about the other senile person at a very high level of government and how the Democrats are trying to remove her. 
also how we can all mobilize to force the end of the absurdist mask mandates on public transportation. Plus, like I said, your emails. That's all coming up. But first, the Monica memo. Elon freaking Musk. The weeping, moaning, and gnashing of teeth over Musk's offer to buy all of Twitter and privatize it says it all, doesn't it? It's really one of the most revealing moments I think we have seen, uh, particularly with regard to media in a very long time. The left cannot continue going down the road of the Great Reset, which is basically communism, without crushing free speech. Democrats can't win elections without crushing free speech. Stealing elections requires crushing free speech. This is what they do because they have to and because they want to. So they know if Elon buys Twitter and genuinely makes it into a real free speech platform, they are so screwed. They're so screwed. Control the narrative, control reality. Control reality, control the outcome. Control the outcome, control the people. That's what all of this is about. If Twitter were truly a free speech platform, what would they care that a libertarian billionaire bought it? They wouldn't. Who cares? Few people cared when Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post. Ah, but that's because he's one of them. He's on the left. So no real problem there. But Musk is a horse of a different color. He is a libertarian who actually believes in free speech as a critical part of democratic values. You know, the First Amendment and all, he takes it seriously. Here's Musk yesterday. He did a TED Talk. Perfect timing for that, by the way. I don't know who's doing his scheduling, but I want that person. Musk did this TED Talk, and he was asked by the interviewer why it's so important that he is looking at Twitter and and it be an arena for, uh, for free speech. Take a listen. You made an offer to buy Twitter. (laughs) Why? Well, I think it's very important for uh, there to be an inclusive arena for free speech uh, where all... So, uh, yeah. Okay. So there he is talking about the importance of Twitter and other social media platforms for real free speech. Here he is again talking about how critical it is to the actual functioning of democracy. Not that conservatives are heard, but that everyone is heard. Listen. It's important to the function of democracy. Um, It's important to the function of uh, the United States uh, as, as a free country and on many other countries and to help actually to help freedom in the world uh, more so, broadly than the U.S. The civilizational risk uh, is decreased if Twitter, the, the more we can increase the trust of Twitter as a public platform. Meanwhile, all of these left-wing journalists the journalists that profess to embrace democracy, you know, the whole headline in the Washington Post, their whole mantra at the top of the paper is democracy dies in darkness. 
it's such a self-righteous, self-important uh, line of nonsense. But that, that's how they view themselves, as the guardians of democracy. So democracy dies in darkness, and the left, Pelosi and Biden, and they're all running around out there and going, we've got to save democracy, meaning you don't have a voice, right? Democracy only functions when they're in power and total control. But all of these left-wing journalists who are constantly embracing democracy as their reason for being, all of them at places like Bloomberg and the Washington Post both owned by billionaires, they're all upset about a billionaire controlling the flow of information. Well, that's quite amusing, right? It's the perfect example of how much the media lacks self-awareness, or they're aware and they just don't care, which is also entirely possible. Musk is just the wrong kind of billionaire, one that they cannot control like a certain billionaire from Mar-a-Lago. Musk is about to experience Donald Trump as a lived experience. I am telling you, it's coming next. The regime must strike back. They cannot control Musk. They cannot control Trump because neither man is one of them. They are outsiders Outsiders pushing back on the empire, and the empire is striking back. Why? Because the empire always strikes back at any threat to its power and control. Think about it. They threw the kitchen sink at Donald Trump trying to destroy him. They continue to do that. They will try to destroy Elon Musk, too. He poses a huge existential threat to the regime, like Trump did. So the regime mobilizes to crush these existential threats before the threats can crush them. That's what Trump began through politics, and he will again. And that's what Musk is trying to do with Twitter. So expect the empire to strike back against Elon Musk, too. In fact, it's already started. The big asset manager, Vanguard, one of Twitter's largest shareholders, swooped in yesterday to increase its stake in the company. Vanguard now owns about 10.3% of Twitter, while Musk owns about 9.2% of Twitter. So even though Musk is still the largest individual shareholder, Vanguard is now the largest overall shareholder. Now, Musk's share is still four times that of the only other individual shareholder, Jack Dorsey, uh, who founded Twitter and looks like Rasputin. But Vanguard is now, they wanted to one-up Musk, so they bought into more of it yesterday. And that move by Vanguard is an obvious attempt to frustrate or even block Musk's attempt to take over Twitter. The board of Twitter held an emergency meeting yesterday afternoon. Uh, They're all freaked out. Saudi Prince Al-Walid is a major shareholder, okay? And he said yesterday, he drove a stake into the ground and he said he rejected the offer. To which Musk tweeted the ultimate clapback. Interesting, he said. Just two questions, if I may. 
How much of Twitter does the kingdom, meaning Saudi Arabia, how much of Twitter does the kingdom own directly and indirectly? And what are the kingdom's views on journalistic freedom of speech? Don't. I must say Elon Musk is a master troll. Again, like Trump, he's totally unafraid to push back and it's delicious to watch. It really is. It's a thing of beauty. Musk put in an offer of $52.20 per share, uh, which is far higher than what Goldman Sachs has appraised Twitter of about $30 a share. So if Twitter rejects the deal, there is going to be massive financial turmoil at Twitter. The stock price will likely plummet, and there's probably going to be a revolt um, on their hands from the shareholders who stand to make a fortune if this deal goes through. Twitter is trying to figure out a way to block him, and there might be others who step up uh, to try to buy it, to elbow Musk out of the way. But Musk is saying, hold up. Instead of going through the board, you know, these elites who sit on this corporate board, I want to take this directly to the shareholders. Let the shareholders decide. Do they want to be hugely rich as a result of this deal, or do they want to sit around contemplating their navels over uh, the free speech issue? Musk says he has a plan B. I don't know what that is. I don't think anybody knows what it is yet. Maybe to force the hand to have the shareholders vote on this. Uh, Maybe it's developing his own platform, which he could probably do in about five minutes. But this corporate battle royale isn't even close to being over. I mean, this has just really begun, and it's already escalated from a Lone Ranger takeover to this whole massive thing. It's really the greatest show on earth, thanks to Elon Musk. So like I said, the empire always strikes back. But the problem for the empire is that both Trump and Musk are too big to crush. It's sort of a play on too big to fail, too big to crush. Don't get me wrong here. The regime is going to try. They'll try to railroad them, falsely accuse them. They've got Musk under SEC investigation. Okay, they will try to uh, accuse them and put them on their back heel, even put them in prison on some BS charge. We saw it with Trump. We're seeing it now with with Musk, and it's only going to escalate. But here's the thing. Trump still has a lock on American politics. And Musk is the richest person on earth. Neither one of these men can be ignored for those reasons. So the regime can crush us easily, you and me, but it can't crush those two so easily. Attention must be paid. A couple of other really important points about this. Neither man is perfect. None of us are. But more often than not, God uses imperfect people for really big things. Abraham, Moses, Samson, David. Simon Peter tells Jesus, I'm just a fisherman. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. There you go on Passover and Easter weekend, right? I am not saying that Trump and Musk are David or Jesus. I am saying that sometimes God uses the people you least expect to move mountains. 
I don't know what's going to happen here with Musk and Twitter, and it's definitely not going to be easy for him, but this is a critical moment. The left is screaming about needing censorship to save democracy. Idiots like Max Boot out there, who once was a conservative, is now he's gone insane, like so many of them. Well, when they say we need censorship to save democracy, yes, exactly, for them, for them, for their version of democracy where they're in power and control, and only if you define democracy as the left does, which is stolen elections, where the outcome is is the one they prefer and the one that they need to advance communism, their goal. They are right when they say they need censorship. They do. They just told you the truth for once. And they are flipping out because their big lever for power and control, Twitter, could fall out of their hands. And you know what? If that happens, then the other social media platforms are going to have a big challenge in front of them. Again, they might not care, but their shareholders will care. I mean, you can't keep, you can't be Zuckerberg and continue to run Facebook the way you are with all of the controls and censorship and unaccountability if Twitter is a free range, a free speech platform. Instagram, any, any of these other platforms are going to be screwed if Twitter really goes rogue and is a genuine free speech platform because the others are going to look really, really bad by comparison. So you've got that dynamic too. I'd love to be a fly on the wall with Mark Zuckerberg in his corporate offices sitting there with, with Lean In, Sheryl Sandberg, and wondering like, well, what are we going to do if this succeeds? They got a problem. But it's also, you know, it's also a really tough time. And I feel bad for these people, but it is a tough time for the people who look at Twitter as like their reality. Their conception of reality begins and ends with Twitter. They literally live on Twitter. That is a sad life. But there are so many who literally do that and think it's the real world and think that that's how most people think. It's not not even close. And they're flipping out at the idea of being without their security blanket, the leftist control of Twitter. Can you imagine how pathetic your life must be to look at Twitter as your reality? But so many do. And they're really, really worried. They're in meltdown because their security blanket, their safe space might go away. It is pathetic. And it's also pathetic that we're in this position where we've got a a billionaire born in another country coming to save us. And we're counting on that. It is so pathetic that we're in this spot. But this is where we are because we let it happen. Just as we're in the position of having a senile president completely unable to do the job because we let it happen. Guys, we cannot go on like this. Letting this dark stuff happen, putting us in a position where we're waiting on a savior that may or may not come, whether it's Musk or or getting us out of the senile president, or getting us out of dependency on China. We put ourselves here, and we've got to stop.
So what's going to happen with Twitter? I don't know, but I do know that the GOAT, Tom Brady, has a request of Musk if Musk succeeds. When Tom Brady was a backup quarterback in college, he went to the NFL Combine and they took a photo of him looking soft and pale and pasty. Now, given what he's done in his career, it's a pretty funny picture uh, to look at in retrospect because he's got, he's got like a dad bod. So yesterday he tweeted at, tweeted at Musk, if you buy Twitter, can you delete the combine photo? <laughs> so good. So good. Remove the combine photo, Elon, and bring back Trump. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to Juanita Broderick, one of the gutsiest people I know, about her suspension from Twitter this week. They only silenced us, have you noticed? Um, And I am also going to ask her her thoughts on the possibility of Hillary Clinton running again. Don't miss it. Back in a flash. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, I am so happy to welcome my dear friend and one of the most courageous people I know, Juanita Broderick. As you know, Juanita credibly accused the President of the United States, Bill Clinton, of raping her long before Me Too. Actually, Juanita was a Me Too heroine before she even knew it. Before that movement allowed women's voices to be heard and believed, Juanita stood up and said, the most powerful man in the world raped me. Juanita is a paragon of courage and bravery and grace under fire, and I am so honored to call her my friend. Hi, Juanita. Hi, Monica. It's so nice to talk to you again. Oh, you too, my friend. Well, I wanted to have you with me today because um, we have perhaps the start of a real free speech revolution with Elon Musk's offer to buy Twitter. 
But you made news this week because you were permanently suspended by Twitter. Now, for anybody who was not following Juanita Broderick on Twitter, you really missed out on a treat because her Twitter feed was fire. It was a must follow. It was so saucy and fantastic and no nonsense. And then Twitter took it all away. So first of all, tell us, tell us what was the tweet that set it all off? Let's begin there. Okay, it had to do with COVID and it had to do with the vaccine. I am not uh, anti-vax, Monica. I just think people should have a choice. And there's been so many problems with the vaccine, with the severe side effects of it. So I had tweeted in my usual form, when are we going to be over this COVID crap? You know, the vaccine has not been effective in suppressing the disease, and it's also questionable on if it could possibly alter your DNA. And, you know, so many doctors had come out with the same statement. Very reliable uh, physicians who had come out with this, and I didn't feel like it was, uh, you know, something that was way off of the shelf. And I got a reply from Twitter Oh, uh, maybe 24 hours after I had posted it, saying that if I delete the tweet, uh, you know, I could return. And then almost immediately, within a few minutes, I got the the tweet that I had been permanently suspended. So that's why so many people thought, well, if you'll just delete the tweet. No, that option was taken completely away from me, and they suspended my account permanently. So they didn't even give you, they they originally gave you the option of deleting the tweet, but then they didn't even give you the time to consider it before they suspended you? No, not at all. Mm. No, when I went to my account to delete it uh, is when the notices and everything come up. I looked at my follower account, zero, following account, zero, And I thought, well, and then for a few minutes, I couldn't even find the tweet because they had deleted it. And then it finally showed back up. And when I tried to delete it, it wouldn't let me. You know, when I think about what you tweeted, and I remember seeing that tweet of yours, and I remember thinking, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, they're going to come for Juanita on this one. But but why do you think they did that they suspended you rather than just slap on a, you know, this this tweet contains misinformation, or if you want more accurate info about COVID, go to the CDC. Why do you think that they took the most extreme step with you? Uh, they, they They have suspended me for 12 hours. Uh, a total of six or seven times. I had a one-week suspension, uh, which was had to do, and you know what, I can't even remember now what it was, but they just said it was repeated offenses for Repe- misinformation. Right, so some, <laughs> some snot-nosed kid sitting in Silicon Valley <laughs> has been like watching your Twitter feed like a hawk, spending his or her whole life watching you, you know, some oh, left-wing exactly. communist watching you, hating on you, and just waiting for you to type in the wrong thing, right? Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly, you know, and I, even though it was like a socked to the belly, you know, when it, when it happened, because so much of my life had rotated around Twitter, which is really pathetic. You know, I had a lot of income that came in from there, from my book sales, telling where I was going to be speaking. 
and also as a, uh, a social media influencer. And so when you just, you're sitting there and you just see, you know, almost half of your income disappear, that that's a kick in the gut too. Yeah. You know, I had texted you when it first happened because I, I felt so badly for you and you are my friend and, I, and my heart just broke for you. But I didn't realize that you were monetizing your account in that way. And you, yes. you wrote back to me and said, you know, I'm really reliant on the income stream that I get as a, as a function of my Twitter account. And so that I mean, they, they, they either, well, they, they certainly understand what they're doing to someone oh, like yes. you when they suspend it and they're probably having a good laugh, right? Exactly. You know, and I knew that and it was just so hurtful, but you know, it, life goes on, you know, you have to, I'm trying to uh, see how I can adapt to other forums. I'm on true social, uh, which is having a lot of problems right now. I'm so sad to say. Uh, and on Getter, uh, I attempted Instagram last night, but what I had in my mind came across as very pitiful and, 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 and awful, so I deleted that. So I'm still struggling. <laughs> I, I understand. I yeah. understand. No, I completely yeah. get it. Um, I, I, I completely understand. Let me get to the monetizing of it for you, because since you were drawing an income stream as a function of your Twitter account, and then they suspended you, and I, I don't know the answer to this, but do you have no. any legal recourse there? I mean, it seems to me it's sort of like an unfair termination in a way. Like if a boss uh, fired yeah. you, right, for in an unfair, unlawful way, and, and I'm probably way off on this, but have you talked to a lawyer about any recourse? Oh, I don't see any. Look what they did to Alex Berenson. Right. And he had to, you know, get his own website. There's people so much more important than me that have tried this and, and, and with no avail. I mean, look right now at, uh, uh, well, I can't even think of them offhand, but so many. Look what they're doing to Charlie Kirk. But he, it's, but Charlie could get back on if he would delete his tweet. And the same with uh, Babylon B and the same with uh, Tucker Carlson. But they have such a respect for what they say. They're not going to delete those tweets. Uh, I'm just, you know, and and I'm 50-50 on the fence about Elon Musk on whether he can bring about a free forum for free speech. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen there. I, I get excited about it and think, well, maybe I could return. Uh, but gosh, that is that could take a long time. It could, or it could happen really fast. And I just did a monologue about this, Juanita, in which I said, God often uses very imperfect people to do big things. And, uh, you know, I think about President Trump and I think about Elon Musk and, you know, you never know. And, I, you know, I raged against the fact that we are even in this position of counting on a billionaire who was not even born in America to restore our freedom of speech. You know, the fact that we are even in this box to begin with is outrageous, but here we are. And so perhaps the imperfect billionaire is going to be the one. I, I don't want to get my hopes up too much like you.
Um, but at least now we are having the conversation. And I'll tell you another thing. Oh, yes. At least Musk now has not just brought the conversation to the forefront, but also exposed the big institutional investors in Twitter like Vanguard and BlackRock who do not have free speech interests at heart, who do not have our interests at heart because the empire now is really striking back against Musk the way it struck back against Donald Trump. Any kind of threat to their power, any threat to the regime, to the empire, they're going to try to take out. So I don't know what's going to happen with Musk, Juanita, but at least he is trying. Well, yeah, and he's brought all of that scum (laughs) from the bottom of the swamp up to the surface to scream about this, and we're identifying him. Yes, exactly. And, you know, so many, uh, first of all, if if he is allowed to succeed, um, I do hope that he restores your account and so many others who have been unfairly suspended for wrong think and wrong speak. And that includes President Trump. Wouldn't it be great if he came in and restored both you and Trump on the same day? Oh, my God, that would be absolutely, <laughs> that would be awesome. Yes, I would love it. It would be Because, incredible. you know, Twitter really is the public square, Monica. It's the place where we went. I went to Twitter every morning to get the news, you know, and then go through it and see what was really valid and what wasn't. Uh, you just had to do so much research, but you reach so many people. Yes, it really is a public square. And the fact that you've got a handful of American oligarchs sitting in Silicon Valley controlling like like puppet masters, controlling who says what and when and whether or not you can actually uh, speak publicly in this way. And they'll say, well, uh, go build your own, right? Like it's so easy to, oh, just go build oh your gosh. own platform. <laughs> Trump is trying yeah. to do it with, with Truth Social and Getter is up there. Parler is still active. But it's very difficult when they have the monopoly on the biggest platforms that matter the most. Yeah, and, and when uh, that CEO, I can't pronounce his name, came out with his statement You know, in in essence, the statement said, sure, get on Twitter. We're going to let you post, but it's up to us whether we let people see it or not. That's right. So you really have this kind of disgusting tyranny in place, and it's hurt people like President Trump. It's hurt you directly. It's hurt so many others um, who have been suspended temporarily or permanently, and it's all about power and control. That's it. So I I wish you the best on this, Juanita. Um, And again, we're talking to Juanita Broderick. Before I let you go, um, Mrs. Clinton is making some noises about maybe running for president a third time. I guess she thinks the third time might be the charm. Um, She refuses to accept the fact that she is so unlikable and such a bitter shrew that nobody wants her to be president of the United States. So if she decides to run, what do you say to that? Oh, my gosh. I do not (laughs) see. I I, I mean... All of us are going to come. All of the Clinton victims are going to be coming back out in mass in some form or other. I don't think the Democrat Party wants all of her baggage. My goodness, they're even trying to raise money through the Clinton Foundation on this new Clinton initiative thing. I mean, the three grifters are getting back together for one final heist. I think you probably heard about that, raising money for... uh, 
uh, Ukraine. Uh, but we all know that they're not raising money for Ukraine. They're bringing money into the Clinton Foundation for their own personal slush fund. They need to raise money to raise that back up. No, I, I can't see Hillary actually being a viable candidate. I must say, Juanita, she's got to have some brass balls on her after what (laughs) she did to President Trump, launching Spygate, launching the Russia hoax, she and her campaign, trying to railroad an innocent presidential candidate and an innocent president to the United States. The fact that she, first of all, that she and her husband are still out there trying to raise all this money for their slush fund with the foundation but that she that she even thinks in some corner of her mind that she has a chance at this the woman belongs in federal prison exactly exactly she does and i mean you can't make that phrase enough lock her up you know, oh. which they still do at the Trump rallies, and I love it. The woman <laughs> should be, she should be behind bars, and he should too. Yes, they're both deep state monsters who deserve right, to rot che- in jail. Yeah, and Chelsea needs counseling for having been raised by them. <laughs> I'm here for that too. Juanita, you are such a darling. Thank you so much for joining me. Juanita Broderick had her Twitter account suspended and uh, hopefully restored, whether it's by Elon Musk or someone else. And we will look it for you on Getter and your other uh, platforms, Truth Social as well. Juanita, all the best to you. Hey, thank you so much, Monica. Always a pleasure, my dear. Juanita Broderick. All right, sit tight. We got more coming up on the other side. All right, we are back. What a phenomenal conversation with Juanita Broderick. She is absolutely incredible. And I just, I adore her as my friend as well. She's so gutsy and courageous. And what a great attitude even after everything that's happened to her between Bill and Hillary Clinton trying to destroy her life after Bill's alleged rape uh, and now Twitter throwing her off and cutting her income like in half, uh, the woman still has a very sunny, optimistic attitude. Not always. She wasn't quite ready to come on this show a couple of days ago because after what Twitter did to her, she was really upset. So she's not Mary Sunshine all the time, but she's such an extraordinary woman, and her resilience is a lesson I think we should all take. Um, All right, we're going to get to your emails here in just a moment, but I want to get to two other stories before we do. So apparently Biden is not the only high-level national leader who needs to be put out to pasture. According to a new report in the San Francisco Chronicle, multiple Democrats on Capitol Hill are worried about the ability of Senator Dianne Feinstein, Democrat of California, to continue serving in Congress. The woman is 88, and apparently she's really lost it. Four other senators, three of them Democrats, as well as three of her former staffers, told the San Francisco Chronicle that they fear Feinstein is, quote, mentally unfit to serve, and that her memory, quote, is rapidly deteriorating. People who have worked with Feinstein for years now say that she has difficulty recognizing them and repeats the same few talking points. A staffer from another senator's office is quoted as saying, 
that they've seen their boss go out of their way to reintroduce themselves to Feinstein after speaking with her. A California lawmaker said, quote, I've worked with her for a long time and long enough to know what she was like just a few years ago. Always in command, always in charge, always on top of the details. Basically couldn't resist a conversation where she was driving some bill or some idea. All of that is gone, they said. The member of Congress described an hours-long conversation in which they had to reintroduce themselves to her multiple times and circle back to the same questions without any indication she knew that she had already covered it. The lawmaker said, quote, she was an intellectual and political force not that long ago, and that's why my encounter with her was so jarring, because there was just no trace of that. So they're leaking this now, and they're getting into the press because they want her gone. They want her gone so Gavin Newsom can replace her before her term is up in 2024. They want someone young. They want someone who is a person of color, probably, and someone far more radical than Dianne Feinstein. So they're leaking this so that she is uh, forced to resign. They're going to try to force her out. This is what they do. This is what they do. You can see it now. We talked about it on this podcast last week. This is what they're doing with Biden and Hunter. This is why you're hearing about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop and the emails and continuing stories about the Biden family uh, corruption because the leftist powers that be want Biden out of there. And so they're ratcheting up the pressure on him by leaking this stuff. This is how the Democrats operate. Um, When they want someone gone, they're gone. Look at Andrew Cuomo, same thing. King of the Hill, and then within two weeks, gone. When members of your own party want you gone, you're gone. I think about Justice Stephen Breyer, too, on the Supreme Court. They could not get rid of this man fast enough because they wanted to replace him with a radical black woman. They did not even let Justice uh, Breyer make his own announcement. He told the White House, look, I am going to retire. I'd like to do it on my own timetable and make the announcement at the end of the Supreme Court term, like in June. Well, boom, in January, somebody in the White House leaked it because they needed to inspire and rally their base that they were going to get a new radical on the court. So, I mean, you know, he spent 30 years on the court. Bye, Felicia. Don't let the door hit you. Not even a thank you. It was like it was like a nice little going away party at the White House. And they were, then they were like, Justice Breyer, who? Same thing. Dianne Feinstein, don't let the door hit you on the butt because your party wants you gone. And it's going to happen probably sooner rather than later. Um, okay, on a different subject, before we get to your emails, airplane masking. The left wants you to continue to wear masks, probably into the grave and beyond. Their next directive from the CDC is probably going to be, you're going to be required to wear a mask in the afterlife. Heaven or hell, doesn't matter, you're going to wear a mask. Actually, it's hell on earth right now to continue to wear a mask, which we know from the data are useless. So they just extended the mask mandate into early May. The CEOs of eight major airlines sent the White House, sent the president a letter saying, we're done with this. 
Uh, we hate this. Our flight attendants hate being enforcers. Please stop. That was a couple of weeks ago, to which the Biden White House said, take a hike. Here is an extension of the mask mandate for another two weeks, two weeks to slow the spread. Remember that? Here we are into our third year. Uh, the other day, Ed Bastian, who is the CEO of Delta, said this. Are you comfortable with your passengers dropping masks now? I think our customers are comfortable uh, dropping masks. I think our employees are tired of wearing masks. Our employees, especially on, those, on board those flights, are tired of policing masks. Yes, Mr. Bastian, everybody is tired of wearing masks. And didn't they tell us all along that an airplane is like the safest place to be in terms of transmission? because the air is circulated and cleaned on an airplane like every two minutes or something. So you, you could literally walk onto an airplane, there's no transmissibility or very, very, very little. And yet they continue to do this when they know, A, masks have no effect, and B, uh, the airplanes are incredibly safe. So this is only about power and control, that is it. So what can we do about it? I want to give you a little action item here. Now is the time for House members, members of Congress, to sign a discharge petition that will put Senator Rand Paul's repeal of the mask mandate on the House floor for a vote. Pelosi refuses to bring it to the floor. Uh, she wants to go along with this power and control move by the administration. So she refuses to bring it up. But if enough House members sign a discharge petition, then it will force Pelosi's hand to bring it to a vote. Remember that it passed in the U.S. Senate. Rand Paul introduced it. It passed in the Senate, including the votes of eight Senate Democrats. This was just last month. So it has bipartisan support to get rid of the mask mandates on public transport. And there is no doubt in my mind that the House will also pass this if they are given a chance to vote. By the way, I thought that Democrats were so invested in saving democracy. Well, how about it then? How about some actual democracy in the House of Representatives? They're supposed to directly re represent us, right? Well, how about it? How about it? So here is our action item. We should call and or email all members of Congress, or you're just if you just want to do one, do yours and politely but firmly urge them to sign a discharge petition to force a vote on the mask mandates for public transport. That's something that we can all do, okay? Call or email your member of Congress and ask them to sign a discharge petition in order to do it. I'm not sure it'll work, but if they hear from all of us that we are really pissed off at this point about wearing the stupid mask on the plane that has no effect and the airport too, you're sitting there, if you've got a long haul flight, like across the country, you're talking hours on end wearing the dumb mask. It's time. So they need to hear from us. Let us roar. Do it politely, but do it firmly. Okay, let's get to your emails now. I'm getting so many great ones, and I really appreciate it. Kim says, great shows, Monica. Keep telling the truth. Well, Kim, I can guarantee you, I will always tell you the truth. DJ writes, in order to sweep the destructive Democrats out of power, the message has to be repeated again and again. Failure at the border, nightmare inflation, crime, fentanyl deaths related to the failure at the border. 
the pushing of sex education on young children. For good measure, it wouldn't hurt to point out during Trump's administration, none of the bad actors in the world dared to make a move, but now they're moving plenty. The question is, do the Republicans have the will to keep pounding away at the message? If our country is to survive, they'd better have the will. DJ, I could not agree with you more. I think you are 100% correct. Um, we don't get that a lot. I mean, we certainly do that on this podcast, and I thank you for listening. But, you know, Republicans are not really great at messaging and then continuing the messaging. They just assume that if they say it once, that everything is, is okay and that it's getting through. That's not necessarily true. You can't because people are not tuned in the way we all are. If you're listening to this podcast, then you want to know the cutting edge news and analysis that you're not going to get anywhere else. So you're already deep into it or you want to learn, which tells me that you are intellectually ambitious if you're listening to this show. But most people, you know, they're just, they don't have time. They're raising their families. They're working. They're paying their taxes. They don't have time to de be deeply immersed in all of this. So Republicans, uh, conservatives, populists, we all have to be repeating this message over and over and over again, just pounding constantly. DJ is exactly right. I want to see more of it. All right, let's go to, um, here's Julie. Julie says, thank you for hosting your new podcast. The country needs all of the rational people speaking out where we can. I enjoy your straightforward talk and courage to talk about conservative ideas and perspectives in a time where we are attacked, silenced, censored. My suggestion of a topic is election fraud. I know this is extremely taboo and could potentially get you labeled a domestic terrorist. However, it is the most important topic, period. She says, what frustrates me is mainstream media refuses to cover it. I don't understand. I know you'll get attacked for covering it and understand it's going against the powerful deep state. However, no other topic matters if this one isn't fixed. Um, and she goes on to say, thank you for considering my topic and thank you for speaking truth and being a voice of reason. It's refreshing in this crazy world of lunatics. Julie, indeed. And we have uh, spoken about election fraud. We had David Bossy on with his new documentary called Rigged, uh, which debuted at Mar-a-Lago last week, I believe. We're also going to have, uh, pretty soon, we're going to have Dinesh D'Souza on with his new documentary about the 2020 election called 2000 Mules and how they uh, rigged the election by using mules to carry votes and so on. We are all over election integrity. And Julie, I, I agree with you 1000%. We talk about 2022 and we'll do it more on this podcast going forward. Uh, we're thinking about 2024. But you can't really think about either one until you fix 2020. Amen to that. Julie, thank you very much. Keep those emails coming. I'm getting a ton. I can only do a, a certain number each day, but keep them coming in to Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. All right, listen, have a very blessed uh, holiday weekend between Easter and Pesach. Passover to all of our Jewish friends. Have a wonderful holiday weekend. God bless you guys. 
We will see you on Monday. We have an incredible week of shows coming up next week. So please tune in for that. Have a great weekend.